Well, thank you, Julie, for uh, leading us this morning. Uh, wonderful to be able to sing these songs that speak about uh, the presence of Jesus with us and that beautiful prayer about the risen Jesus. And uh, one of my absolutely favorite hymns, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I actually wrote a book with that title. I got so excited about uh, that thought uh, in our lives that uh, Jesus comes alongside us. And so we turn to that account. Cleopas and I had walked the road from Emmaus to Jerusalem and back many times. And the journey had never seemed very long. But this time, the road stretched out endlessly. The long day after the Sabbath had finally dragged to a close. We should have hurried and reached home before the sun had set. But what did it matter if darkness caught us on the way? What did anything matter anymore? We couldn't walk in silence. We talked. We talked about the past, about yesterday, and the day before, and the day before that. But mostly, we asked each other questions. Not that I expected Cleopas to have the answers, nor did he expect me to have them. It was really a way of expressing the hurt, the despair, the frustration that each of us felt. And most of our questions could be summed up in one word. Why? Why had the master, I call him the master, to me he was also Mary's son. Why did he let himself be overcome by the hatred of the high priests and the stupidity of the Romans and the mob? Peter told us that on the night he was arrested, the master had spent hours in prayer as if pleading for his father's help. But when the temple guards came to take him, he offered no resistance. And at the trial, he said virtually nothing. Why? Had he let himself be nailed to a cross and crucified as a common criminal? We asked each other our unanswerable questions. All the time trying to put as much distance as possible between ourselves and Jerusalem. The holy city. I didn't care if I never saw it again. Temple or no temple. But as we walked, I realized that we were not alone. There was someone else traveling with us on the road. At first, he said nothing. He just walked with us. But though it was strange, I felt no fear. I didn't ask where he came from or how he came to overtake us when neither of us had seen him coming. It seemed right that he should walk beside us. And he listened for a while. And then he spoke. What's this? that you're talking about. We stood still and looked at him in amazement. Surely anyone who had been in Jerusalem for Passover would know from the words we had used, Sanhedrin, Pilate, Jesus, crucifixion. That's what we were talking about. So Cleopas said to him, and he tried to say it in a kind way, you must be a visitor, Jerusalem. You don't know what's been 
going on there. And the stranger said, what's been going on? And then I had a thought. This man's not asking us for information. He wants to see what things we think are important. Well, we began to tell him. It actually never occurred to us that he could be a temple spy sent to hunt out the friends of Jesus. It just seemed right and natural that we should tell him our deepest thoughts and reveal our shattered, broken hopes. He listened with an intensity which made us know that he had ears that really heard, as the master used to say. We told him about Jesus of Nazareth and how we'd been convinced by his words and his deeds that he was the promised Messiah. We told him with tears and with anger that he had been betrayed, unjustly tried, condemned, crucified. We told him that he had died on a cross between two thieves, an agonizing, horrible, lonely death. We told him of the rumors some of the women of our group had spread that his tomb this very morning was empty and that angels, angels, mind you, had appeared to them saying that he's alive. Well, the part about the empty tomb we could believe and it was confirmed by Peter and John but there's many ways to empty a grave and we just took it that the enemies were not content to let him rest even in his grave but alive if this were true and how could it be true then where is he if he'd been raised then surely he would go into the temple and startle the high priests and the Sanhedrin and prove them wrong or go to Pilate's palace and stand face to face in front of the governor and say to him you asked me what is truth the truth is that the might of Rome can't defeat the Messiah None of these things had happened. The tomb was empty, true enough. But we said to the stranger, what does that matter? The stranger had been silent listening to us. And then he began to speak. Of course, I expected that he would speak words of comfort. That he would share our sorrow and try to ease our pain. But no, he said, you're so foolish. You're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then without even a scroll in his hand, he began to show us from the scriptures, beginning with Genesis, going through the prophets, how in all our history, God had never let his people go. How time and time again God had overruled the cruel purposes of tyrants to redeem his people. Right back from the law, from Moses, from the prophets, he showed us how God's chosen one was meant to be the suffering servant, giving himself for his people, but never finally defeated. Well, I considered myself something of a student of the writings, but I'd never seen them like this before. My heart was burning. As we talked, we weren't aware of how quickly we'd covered the last few miles to home. And suddenly we were there at our door in Emmaus, and the sun had almost set. The stranger 
made no move to stay with us, but we couldn't let him go on alone into the night, so we urged him to stay. He came in. Quickly we prepared a simple meal, and the three of us sat down at table together. And quite naturally, the stranger was the host. He took the bread on the table and said a prayer of blessing. And he broke the bread. He somehow broke it with authority. And he gave it to us. And then it happened. In that moment, we knew him. The way he prayed, the way he broke the bread, it couldn't be anyone else. It was our master with whom we had shared bread so many times before. But as suddenly as we knew that he was with us, he was gone. That is, we couldn't see him anymore. But this time there was no sense of loss. There was no loneliness. There was joy, exhilarating joy, a sense of new life, an urgency within the two of us to share this, to tell someone that it's true. He is the Christ. He is alive. And without finishing our meal, we were out of the door and on the road again, on the road to Jerusalem. We'd been trying to escape, but this was now so different. It was a road soon covered, and we found the others in the upper room, and they too had heard the news. News to be passed on. And that news has been passed on, hasn't it? Those two people passed it on, and others passed it on, and so it's been passed on to us here in Camborne in this Easter season of 2013. We don't know really very much about these two disciples whose story we've heard this morning. Cleopas, the other person, isn't mentioned. I'm coming to the view that it was Cleopas' wife, the other person. And if so, then she was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and was there at the cross, as John records. So two people who appear and yet don't appear in the subsequent story of the church, and yet who passed on good news. And so this morning, what does this story have to say to us? What does it mean for us? It certainly means that we all take journeys, don't we? And our journeys can be very different, different experiences, times of disappointment, times of sadness, as well as times of joy. And I think it also means uh, that we should never choose to walk those journeys alone. That's what it means to be in the church. It means to be part of a community that journey together. And those two, they had each other, but they had that wider group of disciples. Let's treasure in our journeys those who walk with us. We sing songs about this and we sang this morning. As we are gathered, Jesus is here. One with each other, Jesus is here, joined by the Spirit.
That's what it means to journey together, to walk together, to love each other. And as we do this, Jesus comes alongside. Of course, he's not at the side. He's in the center. But he comes so that we might know him better, know him as our friend. And he comes so that we might see things in a different way. Everything was changed, wasn't it? When they realized who Jesus was. And our situations can be transformed when we see them through Jesus in the center. And let's also commit ourselves, uh, as we hear this story, uh, to pondering the whole of Scripture. Because what Jesus did was to take those two disciples through the words of Scripture and show them that in all of these many different aspects of Scripture, God is working out his purposes, and these purposes are centered in Jesus. And so we have this wonderful resource for us, these writings of Scripture. Let's immerse ourselves in this. And when we meet at Holy Communion and at other times for meals, Let's think about this story. Jesus is there. Jesus is there to bless, to break the bread, but to bless us as his people. This is the good news of Easter. Jesus is alive, and he wants to walk along with us. Let's take those steps that lead us towards him and that lead us then with him to others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.